I don't know if you've ever managed noticed in some cases with some folks, and all of us at one time or another, have uh, tended to sort of back into their own lives, or you might say back into their own identities. In other words, wasting a lot of time and energy to measure up to other people's expectations that didn't come from within them, but from without, sort of then impressed upon them. And busily fibbing a bit to try to measure up. Could I give you an example? It's the old saying that sometimes people uh, buy things they don't want, buy things they don't want with money they don't have to impress people whom they don't like. <laughs> Doesn't that capture it well? That's really screwed up to give you a theological take on it or just a basic philosophical one. And, uh, but it's not untrue, i.e. it does happen, but it is untrue at the root. It's all an untruth. And it just gets in the way of the project of life, which has to be lived, obscures it. All the, all the direction signals are lost. It's like people put all the wrong street signs everywhere. How is a person to live or to be if they accept falsehood? Whereas John the baptizer, over here in our window, first window there, striking, striking photograph, don't you think? Whereas John the Baptist is immediate. Do you know what he says? No, no, no. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. He says that with guts. He says that with honesty. And he calls false expectations. Wait for it because it's a thing rarely heard at certain periods. False. He doesn't say, oh, it's a new false expectation. We'll believe in that and talk everyone into it. He says, no, it's false. I won't be party to it. I'd like to say that again. I won't be party to it. No small thing that. How important. How important for our culture to learn. With honesty and guts, he calls false expectations false. And therefore, he's going to teach everyone from his honesty. And his honesty is going to be that very central matter. Look at the confessional. Look at the penance room. By the way, here's a quiz question. Do you know where our new penance room is? to allow air circulation and so on. It's this work sacristy here. Here's the sacristy where I, we vest. This is the work sacristy, which has all the stuff to set up. And if you go in here, this is the entrance to it. If you go in between the, the organ and the pews there, that's where we have confessions. And the time for that is usually four, 3 to 4.30. If you can't make it, need a time, just give any of us a call. I always, I come right downstairs and meet people here. Then we walk somewhere where there's privacy and hear confession ad hoc. But he's going to teach everyone his honesty. And uh, he would teach us repentance because we were faking it or doing something wrong. He would teach us to face the facts of our own lives straightforwardly. To say, I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I'm not what my ego would like to pretend that I am. And just to begin to be straightforward. That marvelous project of having a life of having a life, of being oneself, God forbid. Not someone else, not what expectations are, being oneself. And let all the ways be cleared and made smooth for that. Echoing good Isaiah the prophet right here, to my, to my left, your right. I know you've heard every homily you've heard on this, the fact that when an emperor or someone would come to town, the roads being non-existent ruts, more or less definitions than facts. They would go and read all that up and they would fix it all up and they would cover it and so on. They didn't have an academy yet, but you get the idea. And uh, that's what we're doing in Advent 
to get ready for this marvelous gift of God. Now, John already was taking that step himself. You see from his attire over here, and you know what his diet was like. This was not Michelin with several stars. It wasn't Julia Childs. It was pretty Spartan. And so with everything else. But the great thing is he was straightforward, and junk didn't get in the way. And thus, he has been set free by God's grace to a point beyond himself. Have you ever met someone so utterly co-involved in themselves? It's a very small package, the smallest package you'll ever see. Someone involved with other people helping them and with the plans of the good God above, the best and greatest gift the world can get in the form of that person. He points beyond himself to someone greater than himself. And then there's a marvelous line which this leaves out, which I'd like to share with you if I have your permission. Because this reading is in two parts, all from John 1, the first chapter of John's Gospel. It has from the prologue verses 6, 7, 8, and then it jumps to 19 to 28 from the Gospel itself. There's that prologue at the beginning. There's one, just the very next line in the prologue after 6 to 8 is uh, John 1, 9, which I've always loved. Do you mind if I share it with you? Would that be okay? Okay, thank you. The truth which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The truth which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The true light, excuse me. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And he decided to make space for that. He decided to climb past the darkness that sometimes can seem universal and to be headed up to the light. James Baldwin had that marvelous line, amidst all the puzzlement of life, one discovers light in darkness. That's what the darkness is for. It's like when a groom looks for a bride, a, a ring for the person he wants to marry, and the jeweler wants to sell him one. You know the best way to show the diamond? It's in a tray that has what on the bottom? A black velvet cloth that reflects no light, that highlights what a diamond that diamond is. And so as light comes into the world, how important we recognize darkness for what it is, something for us no longer to hold on to, cleave to, multiply, but to get rid of so we have a sense. We have a taste for the good and we have eyes for the light and for things that are true. And so he faced down the world's darkness and so should we so that we're finally turned toward the true light itself. You know, people are having exams, and just as a public service, I thought I'd give you a quiz just to get all the, uh, the juices flowing and the blood pumping. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? Thank you. Uh, when is John the Baptist's birthday? We only have three birthdays, our Blessed Mothers. We just had our conception, so I'll let you add nine months and figure out our birthday. I hope you know it already. I hope you've already sent a card, and he's here. And John the Baptist is at the other end of the year. It's 24 June, June 24th. Do you know what that means? I think it means, and we're often told this, this is not my insight, that uh, after he is born, the days get shorter and the light gets less. And then we come to Christmas. And after Christ's birth, he who is the true light, the days get longer and the light takes over. The true light 
that enlightens everyone who's coming into the world. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Today's episode is part of our 2020 Advent and Christmas offerings. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org. That's stpaulparish.org. God bless and see you next time.